Now, I told Charlie last night that I would be talking about the Hulk today in our sermon. And Charlie didn't believe me, so we're going to talk about the Hulk. Does anyone know, not know who the Hulk is? Anyone ever not seen an Avengers movie? That's fine, I can help you out if you haven't seen an Avengers movie. But we were watching the first Avengers movie the other day. I don't know what day, Friday. And there's a scene where the Hulk, if you don't know what, the Hulk looks like me, but in green, you know, huge. And, and the Hulk in this scene is meeting up with this guy, Loki, is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Thor's evil brother. And, and Thor and Loki, they're these like um, gods, lowercase g gods. And Loki says to Hulk this, this long speech about I am a god, a powerful god, and Hulk grabs Loki by one leg and starts smashing him back and forth like a rag doll, and then he throws him down. He goes, puny god. (laughs) I did it, Charlie. Talked about the Hulk has nothing to do with anything. Let's get to our text. (laughs) It actually has much to do with everything. The question I have for you is how do you see God? How does your life declare, demonstrate how you see God? Do you see God as puny or awe-inspiring, reverence-evoking, mind-boggling, holy, magnificent, all-powerful, we could go on and on? Why was I thinking about this? What does that have to do with today? Well, what is today on the church calendar? Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday's always been a strange one for me. Some years we'll, it is hot. Some years we give out palms, and the kids have fun with the palms, and they try not to poke each other's eyes out. And then someone shows you how to make a cross out of a palm, and then you have to get the palms out of here because I don't want to clean the palms up. Some churches, they collect the palms and burn the palms, and, and then they ash them up on your forehead the following year. But what is Palm Sunday really about? Do you know? It's about the triumphal entry, Christ entering Jerusalem. But so what? I'm not mocking scripture. We preached from this a few weeks ago. But Jesus entered Jerusalem, and I live in Malvern, and that was 2,000 years ago. Put your palm down! Happy Palm Sunday. Well, as I was thinking about Palm Sunday, I was thinking about our text. And in the text on Palm Sunday, if we go back in time a little bit, our Lord is entering Jerusalem. And as he's entering Jerusalem, Luke 19, he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet. And he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, 
Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he, Jesus, answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Palm Sunday, which wasn't, well, go in peace, serve the Lord, Palm Sunday. That's what I was thinking about. Who's sitting on the donkey? I read Isaiah, and it tells me that there's nothing impressive about his stature, physique. I I look at his posse, and they're an ordinary group of ragtag Gentiles. I look closely at his eyes as he's coming in, and the the, the dude's crying. Now, if he came in 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 a Hummer, right, with a big posse of burly guys in camo, and he was spitting, chewing tobacco, and he had a, a, a holster with a gun and a crooked worn cowboy hat. Well, then a westernized person would be like, that there, that's a man. But that one's crying. I understand that's cultural, but, but is a king? A king with a tear in his eye? With a ragtag group of, of fishermen and a tax collector walking in with him? Who is sitting on the donkey? And so I thought, what if, what if we approach this a little differently? Because I know who it is. It's Jesus. Truly man and truly God. This is God, the infinite God in a finite body. This is, this is the one by whom, through whom, and for whom all things were created. But what if we looked at his enormity or identity and the joy to be had through Easter? What if we went to Isaiah? What if we went to Isaiah 40? Starting in verse 12. You know this section. Why do you know this section? Well, you know about the eagle's wings. You you know about the the palm and the water. My friends, do you ever think about the enormity of God? Context, Isaiah 40. The Assyrians and the Babylonians will come and capture the Jews. They'll take them in, they'll they'll lead them away for many years in the future, and the Jews will forget, and God's giving them an encouragement that no matter what happens, he's with them, he knows what he's doing. He'll judge them for their sin, but he knows what he's doing. And look at verse, oh, let's look at this. We'll, We'll go 12 to 14 to start. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? and marked off the heavens with a span. Hang on a minute. About two ounces of water? That's what's left. You think I can hold it? Who has measured the waters, all the waters in creation, in the hollow of his hand? Who has marked off the heavens with a span? A span is a distance between your pinky and your thumb outstretched. You think I could get from from Jupiter to Earth? All of create. Now, don't imagine God got a big hand. Understand what's going on here. How big is God? Who enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? 
Who did he console and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? You ever offer God advice? When you pray, how often is your prayer counsel to God? So God, I don't know if you know, but I know, and, and what you need to know is what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. Thank you so much. Do you ever tell God what's fair? That's not fair. Why would they get a promotion and not me? That's not fair. You ever tell God not only what to do, but when to do it and how to do it? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? What man has shown him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? You ever use binoculars backwards? Could be standing up here looking out at Annalise, and I'm like, Annalise is four miles away. And someone flips him over, and I'm like, oh, Annalise got something on her forehead. How You don't, I don't know. How often do we look at God through backwards binoculars? Puny God. As opposed to turn them the right way and realize I can't see him with these things. He's too big. How wise is God? Marvel and remember what the Spirit of God tells us through the prophet of God, Isaiah, in these verses. The glory of God. Do you ever think that circumstances are huge and God is small? Or to take, I think it's a David Powelson book, when people are big and God is small, does that ever happen to you? So we got the hand with the water, we got the span for the heavens, but look, keep, keep going here. Verse 15, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on scales. The Babylonians and the Syrians are going to take over the Jews, take them into captivity. Imagine a bucket, a five, ten gallon bucket, and a drip of water comes out the top. The most powerful nations on the earth are as a drop from a bucket compared to the power and glory of God. Is that how you see human power compared to God's power? Keep reading here. And are counted as the dust on the scales. You ever go to Whole Foods, want a pound of roast beef, and they're pulling like, no, dust it. Don't you dare put that roast beef down until you dust that scale. You're going to throw the whole thing off. It's going to cost me an extra one one hundredth of a penny. Never you dust that off. Well, look what he's saying. They are counted as the dust on the scales. That, that's how much the, these worldly powers are measurable before God. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. You ever, you ever go down to the beach? And all goes away. Or do you spend the rest, of the rest of the summer like we do, finding sand in your car, in, in your Crocs, it doesn't go away. Somehow the dog who didn't go to the beach has sand in his fur. You're like, you see? Gone. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. You know what Lebanon is? You ever hear of cedars of Lebanon? This is a land of, of big forests and big trees. This is where all the building materials came in. And, and what he's saying is, 
You barely even muster up enough fire to keep yourself warm before the Lord if you took all the trees of Lebanon and all the beasts wouldn't suffice for an offering. All the nations are as nothing before him, not in the sense of value, but in the sense of power. They are counted by him as less than nothing in emptiness. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it for silver chains. That's a rich person's idol. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Now remember, we're talking about that guy riding on a donkey. The wisdom of God, the glory of God, how about the authority of God? Verse 22, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Do you know why God sits down? Because he got tired. Oh, I have been working for eons so many things to do for people and I forget so often. Thank you, Jerry, for telling me I forgot. Oh, I'm so tired. Angels, cherubim, bring me a seat. I can't take it. It is he who sits above the circle. No! Who sits? A king on his throne. God's Kingliness is what is put on display. Above all things, what sort of authority, what sort of power is this? Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness? Yeah, even the Babylonians and the cap captivians. The Assyrians and the Babylonians. Captivity, forgive me, we move on. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. So now we're getting to the point. What's the big deal of the triumphal entry? Who's sitting on the donkey? That guy. Who's crying? That guy. That this... This giant, enormous, grand, glorious, all-powerful, all-knowing, perfectly wise God is sitting on a donkey in the second person of the Trinity named Jesus. So if you were there and you hear him coming in, donkey noise, you guys got it? <laughs> and you look, do you go, whoa, that's him! That's Isaiah 40, God. Go back even further, Isaiah 41. Comfort, comfort, oh my people. That's Menachem, that's comfort her. Or do you go, who that raggedy dude crying on a donkey thinking he's a big deal? 
That's a puny God. Well, keep coming with me here. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is, my, and my right is disregarded by my God? You know what they're saying? You know what they're going to say? God forgot about us. Where's God? Why won't he help us? Why has he turned away from us? Is he not powerful? We thought he was bigger. We didn't think he was a puny God. That's what happens when you're in captivity. That's what happens when circumstances loom large. And look what God says. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Now check this. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. The most powerful of people, physically speaking, ain't got what it takes. But they who wait on for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We see God's enormity, right? You don't have bulletins, but if I had the three points, God's enormity, our identity, and then we'll finish with the joy had through Easter. But in God's enormity, wisdom, glory, and authority are displayed for us in this section of Isaiah. Then when we get down to verse 27, we start to see our identity in Christ. This is pointing forward to Christ. We get to live in, in light of the finished work of Christ. Where the people are going to say, God's forgotten about us. And God is saying, have you forgotten? I don't forget things. People are going to say, God doesn't have the power to help us. God says, are you crazy? Do you not remember who I am? They're going to say, God won't do what he said he would do. God's going to say, come on, man. Our identity in Christ. I, I'm just asking for us today. Do you ever think God forgot about you? Do you ever think that God's not really helping you perfectly? Because see, if God was helping me perfectly, he would do this and this, and he hasn't done this and this, so he either doesn't like me or doesn't know what he's doing. You ever, you ever let the flesh talk to you a little bit? Is God's plan falling apart? Well, I don't know. Watch the news. You watch Fox, CNN, or, or MSNBC. God's plan's falling apart. Stay off the Christian channel, because that, 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 that's more cleanup. God is fully in control and gives strength to his people to endure and persevere to the end. You know, there's a, a, a guy who died named Lloyd-Jones, the doctor. You ever hear of Martin Lloyd-Jones? And, and Lloyd-Jones, whenever he would talk to people, would end the conversation with, keep on. You ever notice you talk to someone, take care, nowadays it's this constant, stay safe. You ever get that? You leave in the grocery, have a good day, stay safe. Just, you know, we should be saying to each other, keep on, like Lloyd-Jones does. Why? Hmm. The believer will endure to the end. Jesus calls us to, to persevere. He calls us to keep on keeping on, and then he enables and strengthens us to do just that by the power of his Spirit. 
And Lord Jones knows what he's talking about. It's biblical. In fact, partially it's here. They who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall keep on because God will cause them to keep on for his glory in his power. So go and do that. Here's your takeaway. Don't grow weary. Don't grow faint. Don't give up. Just keep on keeping on. Happy Palm Sunday. Happy Easter. Well, can, we, can we be honest with each other a minute, folks? Does anyone here speak two languages, minimum? Y'all speak English, right? Some of you think you're not bilingual. If you've been in that church long enough, you're bilingual. Because you do speak Christianese. And technically, you can do pig Latin, learn it in an afternoon. So you could say you speak three languages at a minimum in case you run across some of these overly educated folks that speak multiple languages. You're like, well, I speak three languages. They say, what? You might not want to answer. I mean, English, pig Latin, Christianese. Ipse, ex ne, ne. Praise the Lord. Keep on. Anyway, there's a Christianese term in here that I want to put into modern day English. But they who wait for the Lord. Let's, let's be honest. How you wait for God? Y'all got time? Let's wait. I sure hope that's not what it means. Where is it? Well, Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere. So if God's everywhere, why are we waiting on him? I get it. It means we're like, come on, Jesus, keep up. What does it mean biblically, wait on the Lord? We're called to do it. There's joy in it. It's how we're strengthened. It's how we're going to enjoy Menachem, Isaiah 41, comforter. What does it mean? It's part of it. Read the Psalms all the way through and count how many times waiting comes up. You find it a lot. I'm sure you remember Luke 2. And coming in verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Remember in the temple, Jesus showed up waiting. It's just a pack of people waiting in the temple for like 2,000 years. Romans 8, creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Romans 8, 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with patience. Galatians, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Hebrews 10, 13, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. What is waiting? How do we enjoy the majesty, glory, power, and wisdom of God? What is he calling us to? Who is this guy riding the donkey? And how do we live in a way that glorifies him and gives us the joy he intends for us as those who are saved? I hope we can figure it out. Trust, obey, and accept. Trust God as you obey God accepting God's wisdom schedule and way. God, I accept your wisdom over mine. Don't go too fast, because that's a battle. God, I accept your schedule over mine. God, I accept your ways over mine. God, I seek your kingdom over mine. That is how you wait on God. Waiting is not passive. Waiting is active obedience, active trust, 
active gazing upon who God is. Listen to this. We wait on God to do what he will do as we live in light of who we are by his grace, knowing he will care for his people perfectly, giving us all the strength we need to follow him. I'll say it again. We wait on God to do what he will do as we live in light of who we are by his grace, knowing he will care for his people perfectly, giving us all the strength we need to follow him. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. What do you do when you're waiting for God? What does that mean, patiently waiting? Well, I'm waiting on God to do what he will do as I live in light of who I am by his grace, knowing he will care for me perfectly, giving me all the strength I need to follow him. Is that not what was happening in Luke 2? Well, what does this have to do with the whole Palm Sunday, the whole Easter thing? My friends, the only way we could know who God is is if God gave us eyes to see him. The way God gave us eyes to see him is through the finished work of Christ. The very man, God, who is riding on the donkey that we see in the pages of Scripture. And here's what you need to understand. Picture the donkey trotting by, and on the other side, picture the news and social media screaming real loud. Remember Chicken Little from when you were a kid? The sky is falling! Right? Is that not the news and social media? The sky is falling! I remember when I first picked up news as a kid, it was Reagan running against Mondale. Right? And it was like, if one side wins, the sky is falling! If the other side wins, the sky is falling! Then, then we, have the, the, we have wars and famines and earthquakes, and, and every time there's one of those things, you got part of the, the christian subculture, the sky is falling! Jesus' return is imminent! It is eminent, but not anything in there. And we go through constantly everything in life as the sky is falling. Everything looks big, and the guy on the donkey looks so small. Please flip it. You got your binoculars on backwards. I'm kind of tired of, I'm glad on the news channels they've taken down this, this silly little death clock. Y'all watched the COVID death clock for like the last year? Just as a side note. If you put those percentages together of cases and deaths, 5% of people don't die from COVID, so that's a little screwy. Second issue is, who's calling in? Five more. Add 11. 42. How do they know? I, I re, re, redid it. Do you know how many people actually died because COVID killed them? Zero. Pastor's a conspiracy theorist. No. Do you know how many people died because COVID killed them? Zero. God killed them all. COVID never killed anybody. Cancer never killed anybody. Heart disease never killed anybody. Only God killed people if you pull this out theologically properly because God causes or allows every death. He's numbered your days. You see, the COVID clock looks huge and God looks tiny. Flip it! It's real. People die with COVID. Not going to comment on how many, because I'm preaching. I'm not getting into politicalization right now. People die with COVID or from COVID, whatever you want to call it. But listen, 
It's tiny. That's puny compared to the grandeur of God. Should you wash your hands? Wash your hands. Don't sneeze on me. Take precautions. But live in light of the fact that God has numbered your days. He's not up there going, give me the seatbelt. There's a pandemic. I'm going to mess up my day numbering. I have the name for 42,000. Is she going to make it? Make the guy on the donkey bigger. Because that's who he truly is. Circumstances loom larger. We, we have depression, anxiety, relational issues, financial issues, familial issues. We got also we got plantar fasciitis for, for the love of God at times. They look so big. Quran sitting there with his leg up, right? Well, what's bigger, the Achilles or Yahweh? I'm not saying an Achilles don't hurt and he can't move real well, but there's a bigger God than his big problem, amen? And yours too. Let's not point the finger at Quran too much. Poor guy's on a screen and can't speak back. <laughs> As we live in this world that makes everything seem big and scary, let us hear that guy on the donkey who says, in this world, yeah, you'll have trouble, but I've overcome the world. Do you know that the problem with a, a pandemic, people die. Can I give you some bad news? You check. You're going to die. It's going to happen. Some people, they're, they're in the, the fourth quarter, right, Dan? You're fourth quarter now? Dan's hoping, Dan's hoping for uh, overtime. Other people, you might still be in the pregame. Halftime at Dan, we had a discussion. Dan, I would argue, was still like maybe second quarter. And Karan pointed out that on his ride home, he could go. So technically, Dylan could be past the two-minute warning. Drive safe today, please. But you're all going to die. The guy on the donkey said something. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Believe in him and you don't die. You say, what are you talking about? I've seen Christian people die. You have, but you ain't seen them rise. You ain't seen them in glory. You ain't seen a resurrection body you'll get one day. My friends, in the world we live in, we live in abject terror because the world is terrified. Take hold of who is your God. God speaks and it is so. That's what Psalm 33, 9 says. God does according to his will and none can stay his hand. That's what Daniel 4.35 says. So the Hulk took Loki. Bam, 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 puny God. I wonder how often we do that in our mind's eye. We think of God simply is a little average, ordinary, physical man riding on a donkey with a tear in his eye with a ridiculously pathetic posse walking with him. <sighs> Puny God, how are you going to help me? I just watched the news. Puny God, how are you going to help me? Have you seen my bank account? Puny God, how are you going to help me? Do you not know my troubles? Puny God, what good does it do to pray to you? Now that's what the flesh says. But, but your binoculars are backwards. Because yes, God took on flesh. Yes, God looked very ordinary, humanly speaking. Yes, he had a ragtag group of, of people in his posse. And yes, Jesus wept. 
But that is not the totality of who this God that is truly is. You see, you can't grasp the man on the donkey by him, through him, and for him were all things created. That donkey he's riding on, he made, he doesn't own it, he does own it, but he doesn't just own it, he made the donkey. The dirt that that donkey walks on, he made the dirt. The air that people breathe when they shout, Hosanna, he made the air. The eyes, they look at, he made the eyes. That guy made it all. And he came to save all who would believe in him. He wept because he grieves over sin. He grieves over lost people and the standing they have before God. And he died because he delights in saving his people by himself, from himself, and for himself. How big is he? Big enough to conquer sin and death. He is no puny God. He is the God who is, who is risen, who saves. So as I round this off and land the plane, who thought Palm Sunday was such a strange Sunday? It just took me 25 years to land this thing. Well, I had a conversation with, with someone last week or the week before, and you're like, oh, what are you doing for Palm Sunday? It's a person that's like, their, their church, you got, I mean, they got fun stuff, right? They got the palm branches. I highly recommend if you have young kids or grandkids, resurrection eggs, you ever seen them? Grab them, they're wonderful. I think this place does pictures with the Easter Bunny. You ain't going to see the Easter Bunny around these parts. Mm. I don't know if you noticed the sign out front, no bunny loves you like Jesus. <laughs> but here's what's truly joy-filled. One of the many things about the triumphal entry about Palm Sunday. What is going on? God riding on a donkey as a man weeping over Jerusalem coming into Jerusalem to do what all of creation was, was yearning for in part. Who, who, this is the promise of Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. Something about a heel and a head. You remember that? This is the moment. He's coming to die so that we might live. How big is he? That's the question we must wrestle with every day of our lives as Christians. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait on God to do what he will do. Live in light of who you are by his grace. Know that he will care for you perfectly and give you the strength you need to follow him. And here's the last point you can't miss. You can't do it by yourself. You ever see the boxes that, that say, you know, two-person lift, and it's got that awkward picture of people like bending their knees, and you know what I'm talking about? And then my kids walk by like, no, it doesn't, just needs one person, watch. <laughs> well, the, the, the Christian life is not a one-person lift. Heck, it's not even a two-person lift. It's a familial lift. Why is that? Well, because we, we're, we're so messed up, even the most mature of us, that we can't even understand our motives. We, we need people to constantly remind us of our identity. We forget who we are. We forget how God sees us. 
We forget who God is. We need that constant help, like a parent with a small child. We need someone to come and say, honey, you're holding the binoculars backwards. And then maybe to say, and you don't even need the binoculars. The giant mountain is right in front of you. How often do we live in, li- live in like manner and need one another to say, yeah, li- life is really hard. You know what? Maybe the sky is falling. But I know the one who holds the sky in place until he decides to let it fall. I know that every circumstance in your life is entrusted to you by God whose way is perfect. I know who you are in Christ and I know who Christ is. So let's, let's walk alongside each other and let's wait on the Lord who promises to strengthen us, to uphold us, to keep us so that we will not be weary or faint, but enable us to walk with him, our good shepherd. Or in another way, keep on. Well, we'll leave that for next week. My friends, no palm branches today. No pictures with the Easter bunny. But what I do have for you is Christ himself, Christ risen, Christ who will return, Christ who loves his people with an unshakable, eternal, and perfect love. We, through Christ, are children of God. We cry out, Abba, Father, knowing that God will care for us perfectly. How big is God? You want the deep theological answer? bigger than you can ever understand. The more fully we see him for who he is, the more joy we have in him as his children, and the more glory we bring to him. Because the glory we bring to him happens as we gaze upon him, trust in him, and walk with him. By grace, through faith. To him alone be the glory. Let's pray. Father God, help us. Help us to see you properly. Help us as we read through the pages of Scripture, your very word. Help us to see you as you truly are. Help us to understand, Lord Jesus, that you rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. It was a noble animal, but yet with a tear in your eye a posse that may have looked pretty pathetic, but which you used to flip the world on its head. God, through those pathetic 12, one of which turned on you, hmm, this gospel has gone out to the ends of the earth. What better way for you to display your power? And God, as you enter Jerusalem, as we'll see next week, they nailed you to a cross. They buried you in a tomb, but it was because you had decreed that would happen. And if we took a trip to Jerusalem today and actually found the real tomb where you were buried, we wouldn't get to look at your bones because, Lord Jesus, you are risen. Lord Jesus, you have ascended. Lord Jesus, you will return. But you've not left us. You've, spent, you've sent your spirit who dwells in us. You intercede for us at the right hand of the Father whose eye is constantly upon us, with your eye. You are all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all-worthy of all praise. Lord Jesus, help us to see you for who you are. 
Holy Spirit, help us to see you for who you truly are. Father God, help us to see you for who you truly are so we might rest and rejoice in you, the one true God. Father, help us. Help us to rest in you, to rejoice in you, to delight in you as we understand what it means that you truly delight in us, having chosen us before the foundation of the world to be yours. And as we live in that light, help us to love one another as you have loved us, to care for one another as you call us to, and to be equipped to go out into a lost world and declare your excellencies so that people might turn to you and be saved. For Lord, I fear that there are too many lost people who think they are Hulk and you are Loki and they can slam you around because you're a puny God. For God, that is the antithesis of truth. For one day your mighty foot will simply crush down and destroy wickedness and turn all evil and evildoers into a footstool for the feet of our Lord Jesus. Lord, may we weep as you weep over the lost. May we proclaim your gospel in your power for your glory. And may we delight in you, all of which we are able to do, because you rode a donkey into Jerusalem. And we as Christians celebrate Passover a lot more robustly. We call it Easter. And on Easter, unlike the Jews, we don't ask, why is this night different from all other nights, referring to the exodus from Egypt. We declare with boldness and confidence, he is risen. To our risen Savior, we pray all of these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. 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 We'll close this out.